Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloke and Bird Show. I had a nap this afternoon. Yeah, I, I was I was going to say, you know, today was the first ever Miami Grand Prix, and we're, we're feeling kind of uninspired. You know, I, I get that the pundits and the commentators are like <clears throat> paid big bucks to hype these things, but it was like they were stretching to hype it. And they kept trying to make it so much bigger and so much grander than it was. <clears throat> well, and I was just like, eh. Let, let's hold off on that just for a bit, because I because I do want to get into that conversation. I, I I've had especially in the what three hours since we watched the end of the race, two hours since we saw the end of the race to now. I, I've had some thoughts and and I've some. I've formulated some opinions. Shocking. But, but I want them to come as we're ready to start talking about Because we've got some other stuff first. Right after we publish, and of course this happens right after we published the show last week, there was actually some really big news. Yes, there was. Um, the will-they-won't-they on-again, off-again deal with maybe Porsche, maybe Audi joining F1, ended pretty clearly so far, it looks like. Okay. So the and it, the announcement came, of all things, in a YouTube video um, on Monday uh, that was VW CEO Herbert Deese Answering questions from residents of Wolfsburg, where Volkswagen is based. Okay. Where he announced that not just Porsche, but Audi would in fact be joining Formula One in 2026. That's big news. It is very big news. A little surprising that it wasn't a formal statement. It was a YouTube oh, by the way, for, yeah, a YouTube video for the the residents of Wolfsburg just to talk about general questions about the company, and this is where it comes out. We may be adding a new park to the city of Wolfsburg, <clears throat> and by the way, Audi and Porsche are going to join Formula One. Yeah, yeah. So what he said is Formula One is developing extremely positively wor- worldwide. The marketing that is happening here, plus Netflix, has led to Formula One's following growing significantly in the U.S. as well. Asia is growing significantly, including among young customer groups. If you look at the major sporting events or events in the world, it's the case that in motorsport, it's really only Formula One that counts and is becoming increasingly differentiated. If you do motorsport, you should do Formula One, as that's where the impact is greatest. What's more, you can't enter Formula One unless a technology window opens up, which means in order to get there, a rule change so that everyone starts again from the same place. He has come out and said that if they didn't move in 2026, there wasn't, they didn't think that there would be another opportunity for the either brand to join Formula One for at least another 10 years because they would not join until the formula was revised yet again. Well, that makes sense. So mm-hmm. now, did he talk at all about how they were planning on entering the sport? Well, number one, and again, remember, VW is the parent group for the whole conglomerate that includes Porsche and Audi and um, 
Sayot, and there's a couple of other brands in there as well. Um, I think Bugatti's, yeah, Bugatti's part of that group too. Um, the first thing he said is VW will not be involved. This is just going to be Porsche and Audi because this doesn't fit the brand of VW. No, not by any stretch of the imagination. Now, VW does participate in motorsports on and off in like WRC and some of these other uh, championships. Um, what it sounds like is going to be is increasingly looking like there's going to be a tie-up between Porsche and Red Bull. Um, with Porsche, and I think we, we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, Porsche leveraging the work that has been done um, to build out the engine facilities at, at Red Bull to, to start doing that manufacturing. That's what it's looking like for Porsche. It's up in the air for Audi. Okay. We know for a fact that Audi approached uh, McLaren with a $500 or $500 million. Yeah, big difference. $500, they, they turned them down. $500 million, they also turned them down. Um, I mean, I, if they would have, you know, considered the $500, I would have offered them 501 <laughs> but... To, to buy McLaren? Yeah, that, that could have been cool, you know? I, I could have done that for 501 501 bucks, and could probably, you know, have them deliver us a McLaren every so often. We'd have right, be able to visit the MTC on a regular basis. We'd have hard carts. Yeah. I mean, that'd be a deal. If you really think about it, it but it, it would be. but sadly, um, you no. forgot a few zeros in your number. Five hundred million dollar offer to McLaren to purchase the company, and McLaren turned them down. Not even a counter. Yeah, and not even a maybe we should talk. Let's have lunch. No, no. Word is it had to do with the level of control that Audi wanted. Audi wanted to buy the entire company. They did not want to just supply engines. Um, there have and there are still ongoing rumors that Lawrence Stroll is taking up conversations with Audi about some kind of a partnership here. Um, a lot of talk over the fact that Lawrence is extremely frustrated at the backsliding that the team has done over the course of the last two years. Um, which in a way doesn't surprise me knowing that you know Lawrence is a control freak and he drove off Otmar Sapnauer mm-hmm. and we know he he wants to be very personally involved in what the the race team does and how it conducts itself and how it ties into the bigger automotive manufacturer that is Aston Martin so him being frustrated over shoveling all of this money into the team and not seeing performance and now possibly looking to pull a ripcord isn't a massive surprise except for one problem. What? As you recall, what was it, last year? They broke ground on a brand spanking new facility for the F1 team that Lawrence is funding. I can't imagine after spending all that money on the facility that is probably somewhere between 30 to 60% complete at this point because I think it was supposed to be a two-year project that he's just going to turn around and go, you know what, the team's doing crappy, I'm out. So 
I can't really imagine him tapping out. Um, but I mean, I the, know that the he, rumor is that is that he wants to walk, which I agree with you. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. But you know, is is Lance actually done? I mean, Daddy bought him the seat. That's the whole reason he's there. Is mm-hmm. you know, maybe Lance is like, well, I'm not really gonna compete for anything good, so maybe I'm done. There's that. On one hand, I I could see Lance, or not Lance, I could see Lawrence pursuing or looking to pursue a strategic partnership with Audi to some extent. Because Aston Martin gets engines from Mercedes. And and that's where it it seems a little odd. Because on one hand, okay, Aston might be considering looking at different engines than the Mercedes engines but then you also look at well wait a second Lawrence and Toto Wolf are good buddies mm-hmm. so really would he turn his back on Toto Wolf and the Mercedes partnership well and I don't know there's that but you know then there's also the thought of maybe because in this whole process he's bought Aston Martin and maybe he wants to spend his control freak time over there you know what goes on in the minds of billionaires i'm not one so i have no idea yeah yeah i'm we'll we'll see where that goes but so audi wants in and is searching to buy a team they're looking for a partner They, they they and neither team wants to be a constructor works team they want a partner to supply engines to okay but then they offer to buy mclaren so that's kind of yeah a weird thing it's it's a little odd but i I think it from the way they look at it though is that if they bought mclaren they're buying an existing entity as opposed to spinning up a brand new team from scratch oh no no no. i don't think they're looking to in a new entrant to do a new entrant but where Porsche looks like they're trying to be an engine manufacturer for an existing team, mm-hmm. which may have been appealing from the an, an Audi-McLaren relationship, Audi said, no, 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 we want to actually buy your team, which makes them a works team. Yeah. So that's where it goes. Something done, there's a missing piece of this story well, that nobody's poked at hard th- There's yet. one other missing piece, though. Think about the teams that are on the grid right now and who's getting engines from where and how and how many engine manufacturers there are. So, okay. The only two engine manufacturers that have any customer base is Ferrari and Mercedes. Correct. I can't see Alfa Romeo running off. They're part of the Ferrari Auto Group. Mm-hmm. So I can't see them going to another manufacturer. Haas has been firmly wedded to Ferrari, not just for engines, but for, you know, the parts bit. <laughs> so if they were to dump Ferrari as an engine manufacturer, you've got to assume that the flow of unlisted parts 
Yeah, everything else they'd have to come up with. Gets cut off. So I can't imagine that that's an option. So, okay, Red Bull, we we know that Red Bull could use a partner. That's going to bring um, Alpha Tori with them. Mm-hmm. So the only ones that are left at this point are going to be McLaren, Williams, and um, Alpine. And Aston Martin. And Aston Martin. Alpine's got Alpine is looking for customers. Right. They're not looking to replace their engine. They're looking mm-hmm. for customers. So yeah, you're looking at Aston Williams and McLaren are your your options. And I think the big question is gonna be around Williams and Aston. Again, Aston might make the jump, but I think Lawrence likes the ability to occasionally raid the parts bin over at Mercedes. And we know that they're doing that. And they've done that. Williams has always enjoyed the financial incentives that came with carrying the Mercedes engine. Mm-hmm. Because we know there were special deals, discounting that was done around those power plants that Williams was getting, partly in payment for keeping George on the team in payment for Valtteri and bringing Valtteri up through through the ranks and all of that. How that's going to work going forward, I don't know. And and maybe maybe it's Williams that gets pushed off the Mercedes pier. Well, see, Williams is a wild card. In your outline, Williams mm-hmm. is really the wild card because they're not a car manufacturer. True. Of any sort. McLaren has cars. Aston has cars. In 2012, Williams was running Renault engines. Right. So, but the wildcard piece is, if it was the Williams family, we might have a guess as to what they would do. Because Williams is a family version. Mm -hmm. They would go a little rogue. They would, but they were always strapped for cash, so they'd follow the money and all of those other pieces. This new venture capital group, they're not as strapped for cash. And we don't know what Yas Capito would do. And we don't know what Yas would do yet. We, we, We just don't have that history with him yet. So... If I was a if I was really gonna put my dollar bet down on who might jump to, to Audi, who might work a deal with Audi, I would think Williams would be much more primed for that. Um, but then again, Audi's doing something that they said they weren't gonna do in the offer to buy the team. Yeah. If they're looking to buy a team, then it starts making Aston look pretty interesting. Because then Lawrence, you know, if Lawrence is looking to get out, if he's done, then it's not Aston anymore. It would become the Audi team and all of those kinds of things. So it's a it's a real question. I think it's something you got to watch. But like I said, there's a missing pieces to this story. Well, th- there's also, and and as much as the and and I don't remember the name of the the VC firm that that purchased Williams off the top of my head. But VC firms typically aren't in it for the long haul. Five years. That's what happened with Lotus and Jenny I Capital. 
anytime one of these firms gets involved, it's not for the long haul. So you got to think that they're, despite everything that they're going to say, that they're looking for an exit ramp. I don't know. I mean, I could call Audi and go, hey, have you talked to the guys over at Williams? I mean, somebody needs to ask that question. Oh, I'm sure they have. You don't know. I would bet you they have. Okay. So, you know, other areas of, of, or other places that folks are trying to join, we know Michael Andretti is trying to get a Formula One team. And they announced that they are formally moving forward um, with their efforts and they've got their funding at, in February. Mm-hmm. And we haven't heard anything since. Well, we now, we, we have a better idea of where things stand. Okay. So, it's not just a matter of Michael Andretti or anybody else who has a dump truck or three dump trucks full of money going, hey, we have our dump trucks full of money. We want to have a team. There is, and, and we've seen this in the past, we're, we're being reminded that this is the process, is that ultimately the FIA has to put out a formal tender for interest for organizations looking to launch a team in F1. Once that happens, you get to apply. You get to send your first dump truck of money. Right. So that tender hasn't happened yet. Ah. Uh. We don't know when that's going to be. So Michael met this weekend with um, Mohammed bin Salayim, president of the FIA, to make his pitch. He won't tell us a whole lot about it, but he says he thinks that Mohammed received it favorably. Um, but at this point, where they're they're sitting and waiting is trying to, is to see if the FIA will go and put out that tender. So basically, <coughs> the the process really is somebody with dump trucks full of money mm-hmm. stands up and says, you know, if you were interested in a team, I might be interested in you, and then you wait to see if the FIA says, you know maybe it's time that we think about offering you know like is anybody out there interested and the person that has already you know they've already spoken up and said me 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 um can go remember i said that well here's my first up truck of money see see i'm serious so so it's 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 kind of that but it's also i mean really it's the fia going huh Maybe we really want to do. Maybe we really want to see if somebody wants to join Formula One, even though there's eight people standing at the gate going, "Hey, we have our dump trucks full of money. Let us in." So, yeah, it, it's that whole okay, 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 fine. We'll go ahead and ask if you want to do it. Then we'll take your money, and then we'll decide if we really want to do it. But we might just keep your money and, and tell you no. It sounds like dating. Yeah. So stay tuned. I, I, if I remember correctly, how how the process has has worked previously is that that tender, if it should happen, actually happens in late summer, August September. They put out, "Hey, is anybody interested?" and and we'll see where it goes. Andretti does say that he's got the two hundred million dollars for the dilution payment that has to go to all of the other teams and that he can cover it 
actually says you can cover a lot more than that. Um, the teams are kind of, seem to be a bit lukewarm on this anyway, saying that they, they don't think that he's really going to bring anything to this. I don't know. Um, that said, he, he's announced that his plans are to have two facilities, one in the UK in an unknown location. They haven't settled on that yet. One in Indianapolis. And his plan is actually to start construction on that facility in August of this year. And they want to start hiring this year. Hmm. Yeah, that I thought was kind of interesting. Well, I mean, hi, I work for a Formula One team that's not a Formula One team. A potential for a perspective formula one team? Well, no, actually what it is, truly, if you think about it, you're getting a job with Andretti Autosport. Right. And they you you could work for the indie team, you could work for any of mm-hmm. the other sporting areas that they are. I mean, yes, I see that, but Andretti Autosports Formula One project. But ultimately you work for Andretti Autosport until that team actually starts to exist and stand up yeah is what they'll do it's the question of if fia turns around and says yeah maybe not this year what does that happen you know what what impact does that have on everybody i don't know so it sounds like this is the humor portion of our show today you know, we, we talked a couple of weeks ago about the the FIA reminding drivers about the restrictions or prohibitions on ju- wearing jewelry while driving and the requirements around their undergarments. And the drivers laughed and mocked and what have you. The FIA is not backing down on this. So... The FIA has said now that um, the wearing of jewelry and correct uh, underwear is going to be part of the scrutineering reporting that every team must submit to ahead of the race weekend. Um, This is is confirmed in a document issued by Niles Wittich on Thursday ahead of this weekend's race detailing the amendment of the scrutineering declaration form template to include checks that ensured compliance with the International Sporting Code. Um, now, the justification that the FIA, and specifically Niles Woodich has had, is around like, safety from a fire resistance perspective. His argument, and, and they cite specifically Roman Grosjean's accident, it, that, as fiery as that was. Okay. One, you know, the idea of making sure that the garments that you are wearing meet the appropriate fire safety regulations and fire resistant regulations for the protection of the drivers. The other piece of that, the jewelry restrictions, the FIA argues that wearing jewelry under fire retardant clothing negates some level of that fire and heat protection the idea being that metallic objects kind of heat up quickly Mm -hmm. and that that's the big thing that they push also the fact that if drivers have jewelry on and they are in a serious accident that jewelry can hinder 
um, medical examinations. And the biggest concern is that they are unconscious and have to go get an MRI. Yeah. Um, and and not, not be able issue. to tell somebody that I've got something on mm-hmm. and an MRI being magnetic is a problem. Right. Yeah. So, best line of the Miami Grand Prix was after the Grand Prix and they were waiting for the podium ceremony and Carlos Sainz slipped off his shirt so that he could, <laughs> like, wipe down the sweat problem. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was Martin Brundle said... After they aired the a sh- a image of his shirtless Carlos Sainz, they thought that there would be a line of volunteers to do the jewelry and underwear checks. Yes. <laughs> that would be the best line from the Miami Grand Prix. Um, okay, so here's the thing. I totally get why the rules are the rules. I actually support the rules. And I also equally get why people are just a little annoyed, specifically my friend, Lewis Hamilton. That's part of his brand. Lewis is very big about his brand. And he's worn the jewelry so for all this time. And yes, I can equally make the argument that just because something... He said he's done it for 16 years. Just because nothing's happened in 16 years doesn't mean that tomorrow it won't. But I hear it. I, I, I really hear it. The shenanigans. Yeah, the, the, there's there's been quite a bit of shenanigans. Um, Thursday at all the press conferences, Lewis was wearing three, three watches. He's already said next race he's going to wear four of them. Um, he had all kinds of chains and other stuff on. And he has come out and said that he believes that this is a step backwards for safety. And that he will not comply with this ban. Um, he has been given a two-race two exemption to comply, um, specifically around oh, his nose ring, um, because he needs apparently medical assistance to remove said nose ring. I have no idea. I do. Honestly, my feeling, truly, Lewis needs to shut up and comply. And I I don't agree with any of his reasoning and any of his attitude here. Because here's the thing. Bottom line. Lewis can wear all the jewelry that he wants to all the pre-race conferences, all the post-race conferences, all of his publicity shoots, all of that stuff. And he can show it all off in all of those events. But guess what? When he's got his fireproof suit on, and he's got that helmet on. I can't see his watch. No, I can't see one. his chains. I can't see any of that jewelry. So once you are in race getup, you're not expressing yourself. And, and that's where I have the problem. So I know for a fact, because I've watched him do it, he does not race with a watch the watch on. No, he, he doesn't. But And I don't know what his chain situation is. If, well, let's go. I don't know what that is. I know the, the earrings. We have seen on occasion, I don't know if he does, how regularly, but on occasion, he has at least a crucifix or some piece of jewelry on around his neck when he races. And the earrings are definitely in when right. he races. So here's the question I have. 
this this is the interesting question the twist on it mm-hmm. i agree with you i mean the earrings whatever you're right you can't see them when when you're in race suit move on with your life um and i could totally see a scenario where very much like all the other primping that lewis does when he gets out of the car that's part of what his physio winds up doing is laying out like okay put Mm -hmm. your earrings back in put your watch on put this on you know is a part of that post-race ritual i could see that happening here's a question i have there are some number and i don't know who they are and i don't know how many of them they are there is some number of those drivers that potentially could wear a um a saint based item around their neck mm-hmm. as part of a religious medallion. A, re- a religious medallion um as part of believed protection for their mm-hmm. their races um it would not be out of the realm of possibilities especially the amount of europeans that are on that grid that there is one or two potential catholics among them yeah while i get the safety thing if they believe that that also provides safety what do you do what i would push for honestly if i was the driver and i was the team in order to comply with that is absolutely you're going to comply with it we are going to change your race undershirt your race garment so that we have embroidered in that medallion so that it's a fabric or a patch or something like that so that when you're in the car your racing t-shirt or whatever has that on it so that you're wearing because i i would i would argue that the protection comes from the symbol not the jewelry and making sure that the symbol was on the driver's body should have that that effect i don't know i don't know what the i don't know what the belief structure looks like honestly i mean i'm i'm, I'm arguing something i don't know i would bet that ferrari could find a priest that would go it sounds good to me do that <laughs> I would bet you Ferrari can find a priest that would that that would endorse that solution. I, I I'm pretty sure Ferrari knows a few people at the Vatican. Um, I get that. Might even be able to get the Pope to go. Yeah, sure, that's cool. Right on. Um, I mean, I was thinking of suggesting an alternate material. And you know, is is well, there, well that's kind and of that's what the I was other question too. I have. For Lewis is, you know, go back to that that thing mm-hmm. of, is there a way that you could cut a deal that says, I get it, your concern is heat passes through metal faster, it would reduce the flame. So if I had a, 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 a he's got the money to do it. If I could come up with a way, and I don't know what that magic way is, mm-hmm. that I could keep the holes open because that's my concern is that the holes are going to close. But I'm sure nobody would have a problem with, well, okay, a leather band instead of a gold bracelet. And and but and that's the question is, you know, 
what's the hill that you're willing to die on? Literally. And, yeah. But the, the thing is, again, Lewis's argument, at least right now, is that this is about expression. Okay. Well, and, then and, that's, and, a, that's a problem yeah. to me. Because... And, and, and I call him, I'm sorry. If this is about expression, then you express yourself however the hell you want outside of the car. And let it go. So, that's the jewelry side. Now, the f- <clears throat> fireproof underwear. The fireproof <laughs> underwear, which... which More shenanigans. We, we, we have mocked in the past. Yes. Um, on Friday, Sebastian Vettel once again showing his... The human side that we never appreciated when he was over at Red Bull, because I th- and I blame Red Bull for that. I think it is or totally, Ferrari, and, and definitely Ferrari, definitely Ferrari never showed us this this side of him at Ferrari. Um, Sebastian spent some period of time, we don't know how long, but some period of time wandering around the paddock in Miami in his race suit, wearing his underwear Superman style. <laughs> On the outside. (laughs) They were Superman style. Puma shorts, by the way. (laughs) Well, at least he's on brand. I'm sure he's uh, being sponsored by Puma. Um, Yeah, that's interesting. Now, initially the thought was that this was a form of protest. And he was protesting the uniform regulation or or the underwear regulations. What Seb actually insists that he was not protesting at all. His exact words is that this was piss taking. Okay. And that it was the, we have spent so much time talking about underwear. (laughs) We might as well. It's gotten ridiculous. Mm. And that's why he did it. So he says it is not out of protest. It was more mocking the entire situation, which, okay, fair. Yeah. At some point, I have to ask, again, I have to ask the question, is it a matter of your own underwear is, you know, race underwear is uncomfortable? Maybe that's that's the reality. Or it does, you know, is there a, a, a layering thing that you need to consider or something that makes it better? But why wouldn't you be wearing the fireproof underwear? Well, so... If you'll remember, when, when we had the issue in the Formula E series, it was because they they didn't have a clean pair, um, which a whole other thing. Uh, but that could be some of it. Again, we're, we're talking just for the period that you're in the car. Well, it's not like they're getting out of the car going immediately to... Uh, changing room and stripping it down to change out their underwear. I mean, they're wearing that well, for some length of time afterwards. The, yes and no. A- again, you watch what's happening during the races and the post-race coverage. After they get their way in, if they're not going to the podium ceremony, a lot of times these drivers are going and getting washed up and at that, and, and changing into something other than a sweaty race suit and undergarment. Well, yes. So, They're taking showers. I mean, that's yeah, I mean, part of what's in the motorhome. And, and that's that's my point, is that once you're out of the car and you're out of race conditions, you get to change into something more comfortable. That's what you guys do. It's not that big a deal. No, just it's just ridiculous. 
It's just ridiculous. Both sides I just, I just want to know who has to like check. Yeah. And how are they checking? I think they need I, Netflix needs to explore that in an episode. Well, may, maybe Netflix is going to show Seb wandering around in Superman style. <laughs> Perhaps. So, we had the inaugural Grand Prix of Miami. That was what we feared it was going to be. Best way uh, to describe it. Was it truly as boring as Paul Ricard? I mean, I don't know. I fell asleep. Well, I, there's your answer. <laughs> Actually, and again, it was only because of the late incident and safety car. Um, And it was due to the accident between uh, Pierre Gasly and Lando Norris that closed things up and we had a couple of laps of excitement. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, we were looking at a DRS train, which is becoming more common. And not just under these rules. We saw this a lot last year too. Of cars had closed up into the into DRS distance and then couldn't pass. But DRS trains that were holding things up, and a couple of laps of uh, Charles Leclerc challenging. He unfortunately didn't have it in him to take the position back, mm-hmm. but challenging. And only that came around because of this accident. Right. Now, the accident came around. We've gotten a bit more information on this. Gasly, and and we saw the replay. Gasly was on the radio to the team reporting that something was broken in the rear of the car. That was damage that he suffered the lap earlier in a collision with Alonso. That's where Alonso got his five-second penalty that they talked about in the race. Right. Something had broken on the car. They didn't know how bad it was. At first, they thought he might be able to continue, which is why he made it onto the next lap. They realized it was he was struggling to control the car when Lando came up on him. Yes, he was going slow, but he was struggling to control the car, and Lando clipped him. Got it. Lando has accepted that, yeah, this is damage, and, and really there wasn't much Gasly could do. There wasn't much he could do. It was just incredibly unlucky for the timing. Okay. So that was our only bit of excitement. Yeah. I mean, really, that that was it. Um, Alonzo also got a second five-second penalty. He got that after the race. Um, That was due to an incident between uh, him. It was leaving the track and gaining an advantage. Um, it was not Esteban. Yeah, it was Esteban Ocon. Leaving the track and gaining a lasting advantage at turn 14. Okay. Around Esteban Ocon. So that actually gave, of all things, Lance Stroll a point. Oh, really? Yeah, moved him up to into 10th place, moved Albon up into 9th place. Wow. Yeah. So, the track itself. Yes. Let, let, let's talk about the track. So, you know, we talked a lot last week about the pavement and about the chicane. Those were the two key areas there. And it turns out, now that we have had the race, those are the two parts of the track the drivers hated the most. <laughs> well, called it. 
so the pavement, um, there were issues. Um, they were making repairs to it repeatedly through the weekend, um, struggling with the surface. Um, it was pulling up pebbles quite a bit, so it sounds like things didn't set as they needed to. The other issue was around traction, and there were a lot of concerns going into Saturday and definitely for today. Apparently, and, and they mentioned a couple of times, if you got offline, the track was extremely dirty. And you could see it. In a lot of ways, it reminded me of 2012 and 2013 and 2014 with the tracks that they'd go on with the really soft tires and you'd see the marbles piling up off mm. the line. That was kind of what we saw here. And the drivers are kind of pissed about that because if you go offline, it made it that much harder to pass and, and you lost traction, you lost performance because of all that crap out there. And the reality is two paths you wind up needing to be offline. Right. So they've got to look at that and figure out what's going on there. But they also hate the chicane. They think it's too tight. Um, the camber, which, you know, all of the things that Miami, that the organizers said, you know, we think that this is going to generate mistakes and generate excitement. The drivers are like, yeah, it's, it's just weird. It doesn't... It, it's too tight. It doesn't work. <coughs> the owners of the track, um, they're willing to make changes. One of the other th areas that, that has called into a lot of questions where Albin had, uh, not Albin, Ocon had his 51G crash. Oh, poor guy too. Into a concrete wall. Mm -hmm. A lot of question as to why there's no tech pro there. And apparently there were, this was an area of heated discussion during one of the driver's meetings after Ocon's crash that they had refused to put up tech pro in there, including folks pointing out the fact that, you know, you want to talk about safety and how concerned you are with safety, that we're banning jewelry and we're, 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 we're doing underwear checks, but you won't put in tech pro barriers where we just had a 51G impact. So, yeah, that, that's been a bit of an issue. Mm -hmm. um, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. They, they, they have acknowledged that they're going to take a look at it and see what they can do to make things better. Unfortunately, that, that area where that chicane is under the turnpike ramps, it's under the turnpike ramps. I don't know what they're going to do. And I don't think, even they're saying... They really can't do it. And because of the requirement, the way the track is laid out, that they have to slow the cars down, they still have to slow the cars down. Right. And that's what that chicane is supposed to do. So, yeah. So as for the event and what we saw, and now you want to talk about your commentators and your thought there. Well, I mean, I said everything I had to say. It was listening to the British commentators talk about, you know, how American this was. And it's like a Super Bowl and it was such a big deal. And, you know, it's, it's so American. I was very insulted, quite frankly, um, because they tried so hard to hype that it was so cool and so great. Mm -hmm. And... Quite frankly, it really looked very cheesy. So 
couple of things. Number one, what you saw this weekend, probably a preview for what we're going to see in Las Vegas. Probably. What we saw this weekend was, and yes, from the overheads, the, the, the visuals that we were hoping to see of an impressive looking facility, we saw. It looked impressive. It looked beautiful. I, I will give it that. But just like we saw with the first several years with the race in Austin, every stupid American stereotype that could be hauled out there around the area, they hauled out. Mm-hmm. And, and I get it. Having lived in South Florida, and we both lived in South Florida, we both spent more time than we care to admit in Miami. Which, you far more than me. Yeah, which... Truly, any any time in Miami is more time than we care to admit. And, but um, spent more time in South Florida and, and Miami. And the truth is, if you know anything about South Florida, understated is not part of their vocabulary. No. There, there is nothing that is done in Florida that is, especially South Florida, that is not over-the-top, excessive, and gaudy. Which, I mean, if it's worth doing, it's worth overdoing. That, I mean, that 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 is a South Florida thing, and that is a lot of what we saw. It's what I thought about as I'm watching the utterly needless police escort procession under the freaking stadium. Mm-hmm. Of why are we doing this? Well, what is the point? Of a police motorcade with sirens on under the stadium. Where Christian Horner and his wife were walking faster Uh than the police escorted motorcade. And the worst part about that, the worst part, was the statement, again, by a British commentator. Oh, well, in the U.S., you know, the the motorcade's a big Mm -hmm. deal. And have you booked your police escort to the airport? As if that's the way we get around. Yeah. I'm like... And and I looked at that podium. The podium was another one that, that bothered me a lot. And it bothered me from... Okay, I get it. You, you brought a lot of crowds in and all of that. But it was this massive structure, overbearing... Shocking. Yeah, but it was this massive overbearing structure. And let's face it, it was the end of a Formula One race in the middle of the season. Yes, it's a podium ceremony is special. I'm sorry, Miami in the middle of the season, not that special to have this big, massive, huge podium. I mean, you look at Monaco. Which is arguably considered to be one of the races that every driver absolutely wants to win in their their career. It is the series. It is the podium where the pr- guaranteed the head of the of state for that country is presenting the trophies, mm-hmm. and the podium in Monaco is like a patio. Well, it's the steps to the the palace. That's my point. But 
It's a freaking steps to a palace. Okay, but and then there's the this thing. monstrosity. But here's the other thing. I mean, it, the point that you're really missing is the standard podium travels. Not anymore. Oh, it. Remember, we don't. Up until what was it, 2017, where where every race had the exact same podium, that doesn't happen anymore. Every race is it, the podium is tailored to the track and i mean the the main standard is that yes there's three steps for everybody to stand on and now there's a video screen behind them mm-hmm. that's about the only traveling piece of the podium everything else is different we don't have that that podium that we saw every year with the silver pillars on either side with the signatures that's been gone for years mm. okay i know you sleep through the podium ceremonies oh i do <coughs> That, that podium's been gone for years. Can we talk about the helmets? The helmets, the trophies that look like Super Bowl trophies, but we're missing the football. Yeah. Okay, when we went to Austin the first time, and they, they did podium Stetsons. Yeah, and they, it's all that they did was the Stetsons. It was just the, the Stetsons. I thought, that's cool. When we went to Russia the first time, and they did the the fur hats, Mm -hmm. even though it was warm in Sochi, I thought that was cool. The fact that it became a trope, and now we have to do special hats, and what could they come up with for Miami? I I was okay with the helmets if that was all that they wore, number one. And they didn't come and also have the ball caps. But number two was... The chin straps. Either have them put the chin straps on or take the things off the helmets because they look stupid wearing the helmet and the chin strap, just this big white monstrosity flapping off to the side there. Well, I'm betting that the reason they also had the the ball caps was because nobody, I mean, think about how hot it was. Nobody was mm-hmm. going to stand there in... <laughs> well, that's, that's the other thing. If you want to get pictures of the drivers on the podium and no who they are you don't put them you in can't helmets. put them in the helmets where you can't see their faces i like <sighs> and they walked into the the dry oh look we gotta put a different helmet on <laughs> yeah oh wait we're wearing another helmet great yay yeah i mean that was just i mean silliness it, it would have been cool if the helmets were on the podium in their positions and it it wasn't that you put them on but it was it was part of the, the decorations of the podium, and maybe as part of the pictures at some point, you had them hold the helmets. That would have been cool, as opposed to wearing them out there. That looks so stupid. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, dumb, 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 dumb. It, yeah, and it, again, I'm I'm sorry for our friends in Vegas, but this is what I fear we're in for when the race comes there next year is more how stereotypically over the top can we get for Vegas? You know, I'm, I'm half expecting that there's going to be slot machines on. That's going to be the trophies. Trophies are going to be roulette wheels. And what trophy you get, you're going to have to pull a slot machine down. And yeah. <laughs> oh, so the, the race the won't, the race won't predict uh order of, of trophy. Yeah. It's it's going to be the slot machine at the end. I guarantee you, at some point, 
in that weekend, we are going to see at least one graphic that is a slot machine with driver's heads and cars on it. Guaranteed. Because if we're going to find a tr- uh, an overplayed stereotype, that's going to be one of them. Okay. Right. Who's going to come up snake eyes? I mean, uh. Uh, I miss the European season now. <laughs> I, I love that Formula One has become popular. In the States. But I don't think the way that Formula One should maintain the excitement and maintain the attraction is to become a caricature of America. And that's what they're doing. Well, so the, it begs the question. It really does beg the question. Mm-hmm. If Formula One coming to the States has turned every stereotypical American thing that we hate because, mm-hmm. you know... It's, I mean, we saw this with Texas. We saw it with Let's Texas. go back to Michael Buffer announcing the drivers. Exactly. It makes me want to know when these races came to these other countries... Are there, is there a version of the bloke and the bird having the same conversation? Is somebody in Cutter going, they did every stereotypical Cutter thing that there is? How dare they? No, because I, they didn't do anything. Or does, you know, does when they go to spa, does somebody in Belgium go, why do they always have to talk about the rain in the Arden Forest? No, that's everybody else that <laughs> says that. But, you know, is it just us? Is it us that they're ultimately making fun of? Because that's the way it feels. I, I don't necessarily think that they're making fun of the U.S. I think they are embracing what everybody thinks of the U.S. Which I think is ultimately making fun of. Maybe. I mean, because you have to look at it and go, oh my, the stupid Americans, at the end of it. And by the way, I get South Florida loves their aqua and pink, but Miami Vice was from the 80s. There was more aqua around there. There there was... But also a lot of that was tying back to the Dolphins and the Dolphins playing at the stadium. And remember, the owner of the track and the owner of the stadium and the promoter for the race owns the Dolphins. Okay. And and that's why, you know, we saw Dan Marino up on the podium and Max got a Dolphins helmet and they're going to play that up because that's what he's going to play up. Got it. So, it was eye searing. By the way, it it was it was a bit, um, yeah. But that said, these tickets sold out within twenty four hours. Yep. There's a huge demand, and as long as that demand is there, they're going to keep doing this kind of stupid. And and again, by the way. Preview. Better yet, for those of you in Vegas, spoiler alert, your tickets are probably going to be through the roof. <laughs> because in Miami, 
the cheapest grandstand tickets, the cheapest ones, $640 for grandstand seats. Those are the second most expensive seats on the calendar behind Monaco. And like I mentioned, sold out on the day of release. Ouch. And it just went up from there. Now, they also gave out, or they sold what they called campus passes. These were the general admission tickets that gave you access to everything that was going on at on the property. You just couldn't get to the the grandstands. So you could go to any of the open areas and watch what was going on. You couldn't go and, and be one of the, I think it was 400 people that got to sit on the fake boats that were mounted in it. But you could get to the beach and, and the, the fan fest areas and all of that stuff. And, and those tickets, Friday... Friday only, $300. Oh, my. $500 for race day. No seat. Just access to the campus. $500. And, oh, remember, because this is... An, I'm, they, they probably do this in the European races, too. But because this is America and because this is Miami, that cost probably didn't include parking. And parking at the stadium is easily 30 to 40 bucks. Well, you know, all of those Miami Gardens residents that were protesting the race were selling their driveways. What is it? 135th Street is, is the street that runs from I-95 over to the stadium. Guaranteed, those guys, they, they not only sell the space on their driveways. They lawn. sell the space in their backyard and the space in their lawn to park cars. And typically, well, 20 years ago, they were doing it at 20 bucks a car. That was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <coughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. And just... <laughs> I get it's not Formula One, and I get it's an apples to oranges comparison, but we have VIP tickets to Road America for the weekend, mm-hmm. and the two of us did not pay this kind of money. Now, admittedly, when we go to Road America, they probably have at most, and I, this is probably estimating high. But they probably have at most 20,000 people over the weekend. The full weekend. I don't know. Maybe 30,000. Miami, their capacity, which they sold out in a day, 240,000 people. It's insane. And Tom Garfinkel, who, who was in charge of the race, he justifies it simply by saying, Supply and demand. Mm-hmm. We have a limited number of tickets, and we had a lot of demand for them. So, yeah, sold out in a day. Obviously, we priced them right. And next year, they're going to price them even higher. Mm-hmm. So, again, for our friends in Las Vegas, spoiler alert, you'll probably be better off just going and Airbnb being your home for the weekend and going to L.A. You know what would be funny? It, well, it's not funny, but do you remember that we had a story a couple of years ago about Silverstone and how much 
GA tickets were for Silverstone. And the goal of the people oh, yeah, that they owned... to make it more affordable. Yeah. ...wanted it to be family affordable. That was when it, they and were they looking were, to sell the circuit. And they were selling GA tickets for like 45 pounds. Yeah. And people were balking because a family of four, that was expensive. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, 45 pounds at that exchange rate was just shy of $90. Yeah. Back then. 500 bucks for general admission on race day. Yeah. 300 for a Friday. Oh, and by the way, um, at Silverstone, your general admission ticket would allow you to sit in relative comfort on grass. Mm-hmm. In not face of the sun hot. Well, okay. To be clear. It might be again, raining. Yeah. And Silverstone has had it. And I want to say it was either 2011 or 20. Actually, I think it was 2011. That it rained for like the days going up to it. And the days around the race. And it was every bit as muddy and nasty as what we saw in Spa last year. So... There's that. But again, South Florida, face of the sun hot, in a swamp, iguanas and snakes around. Oh, did you hear the story where they had to patrol the trees for the iguanas? So apparently, they did more than just that. They weren't just patrolling the trees for the iguanas. Because, yes, it would not be a good look. As they, as they say themselves, it would not be a good look for an iguana to fall out of the tree and onto a driver's head. But also, it was going into the various cracks and crevices in the walls and making sure that iguanas weren't taking up residence in them either. The marshals were issued iguana nets so that if they spotted an iguana, they could capture them to be relocated to another location. Oh, yeah. Christian Horner's <laughs> murder home? <laughs> Helmet Marco's motorhome. <laughs> so now that now that we have seen the Las Vegas Grand Prix preview for how you're going to be extorted, we have a Las Vegas Grand Prix story. Oh, we do. Um, Formula One has acquired from the city of Las Vegas for two hundred and forty million dollars. Uh, the property that is going to be used for the pit and paddock area for the race. So permanent structures, but Formula One owns will, will own the land that they're going to sit on. So what are they going to do with those structures when there's not a race one weekend a year? Like what's going to happen the other 52, 51 weeks a year? They're going to lock the doors and give the keys to Steve Wynn. Okay, so Steve Wynn's going to do private tours for billions of dollars? I mean... Knowing Steve Wynn, that might be where he keeps his hookers in blow. Um. <laughs> Steve, please do not sue us. A and d will be sufficient. We'll stop now. So they bought... A piece of land yeah. in Las Vegas mm-hmm. for, what did you say, $240 million? 
Yeah, $240 million. That and actually, let me be clear. This is, ju- yeah, Pitt and Paddock area. I was right. I- and this will only be used. They haven't built the building yet. They've just bought the land. Mm-hmm. This will only be used four days a year. Yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure I understood. But by the way, the pit structure in Miami is also going to be a per. Well, it is a permanent structure. Okay. Just you know, for a race that that for the next ten years is only one weekend. In a parking lot. With fake harbor. The fake harbor was cheesy. I, I, I still go back to the track looked good. It's about all I can say about it. The track looked good. Then they Miami'd it. <laughs> Remember, understated, not part of the vocabulary of South Florida. Now, if you ever really want to understand the mentality of understated in South Florida, do a Google search for the house called Vizcaya. Oh, yeah. You will know this house because if you saw the 1980s hit movie called The Money Pit, (laughs) it is the house featured at the end of the movie. The one with a concrete yacht behind it. Called Cle- I think it's called Cleopatra's Yacht. But yeah. Just Google Vizcaya. So part of the reason we're getting a race in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. after we have now gotten a race with a 10-year deal in Miami, is Netflix. Of course. And admittedly, Netflix has caught a lot of heat this year for the way they portrayed last season and portrayed several drivers that said they have now they they have agreed to another two years of drive to survive well of course because it's a quite a lucrative yeah entity for them two years so drive to survive not going away it's surviving but i'm here all week our last story so word is coming out that the FIA and Formula One are talking about tweaking qualifying again. You remember that one time when we tweaked qualifying and it was a rip-roaring failure and we did it twice? Those that have come to cheer on their heroes can't see them and there's nothing to, to cheer on. Got to change. Don't like it. Not acceptable. It needs putting in the skip. The new qualifying format is pretty rubbish. Well, I think firstly we should apologise to the to the fans and the, the viewers because that's not what qualifying you know should be. The crescendo was the bloke getting out of the car. Right. And the irony is he could have actually waved his own second flag. Yeah. He was on pole position. Do you remember that crazy qualifying idea they had back in 2016 that only lasted one race? <laughs> Don't like it. Put it in a bin. Throw it in a skip. Yeah. Never want to see it again. Yeah. That that whole thing. Um. This doesn't seem too bad. So what's what's going on and what's driving this? And, and this is why I'm kind of okay with it. Kind of, maybe. 
Um, so what they're trying to do as part of revised regulations, first of all, in 2023, they want to reduce the number of sets of tires available to drivers in a race weekend from 13 to 11. Okay. Because remember, the tires that we see, whether they, you know, the teams get their allocation of tires, whether they run all of the tires or not, at the end of the weekend, Pirelli collects up all the tires and destroys them. Correct. Including the wets and the inters. And I've never understood that. Yeah. Because, for example, they made wet tires for races that have never had wet races. Mm-hmm. I mean, Singapore used to get wet tires for that. I mean, it it was kind of nonsense. So they... they are finally starting to realize that, you know, maybe this is a little bit wasteful and we should do a little bit better here. Maybe. Um, So they want to cut back the number of tires that are allocated for the race weekend down to 11. As part of that, they're talking about making some changes to qualifying all tied into this rule change. So what they want to do in specific. So right now, the way qualifying works is that throughout the course of qualifying drivers and teams have a free choice of tires if they, if it's available to them they can run whatever the heck they want if they want to run on the hards they can run on the hards or they can run on the softs it doesn't matter well now they want to prescribe specific tires for specific sessions so the idea, what they want to do is the hard tire in Q1 medium in Q2 and the soft in Q3 okay now we don't know if that's going to exactly how that would impact the allocations you know if you end up in a scenario where okay we've got 11 sets of tires and the medium tire is the one that everybody wants to run in the race and you're forced to use the medium tire in q2 and you flat spot it what are you going to have right because the requirement that we used to have of the tire that you and it wasn't just the 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 compound the specific set of tires that you set your fastest time on in q2 used to be the tires you had to start the race on which means meant if you burned up that set of tires in qualifying you started on crappy tires yes we took that away this year but does that become a factor in this new rule set and i don't know yet we don't have full details other than this is what they're considering um I think it bears watching. I don't think that this is going to be nearly as disastrous as previous attempts to change qualifying. I hope. No. I mean, I wish that they would look at the enters and wet situation mm-hmm. before they start messing with other tires. Because to me, as, you know, the third party outsider, It seems to me that that would be one of the quickest ways to reduce the tire production. It would. Like, come up with a set of, and I think that they get like two sets of enters and two sets of wets or some combination thereof for the weekend. Make those in the beginning. And until you have a wet race, you just keep bringing those back. 
Well, where the challenge comes in with that, as as much as I, I agree with it and I think it makes sense, where it becomes a challenge is, okay, so you've made, say, four sets of tires because you think on average that's what we have is four white races that's what we're going to need them but it also takes something like nine weeks i think to make a full set of compounds for the entire grid so you burn through those four tires in the first two months of the season do you do you have enough time to make more and and that's where i think it gets dicey i agree they got to do something because they really don't need a full set of wets and inters for every single race they probably could at least cut it back by two or three races and still be fine well okay let's just pretend let's say let's say it takes 9 weeks to produce a set of a full set of enters and wets and Mm -hmm. theoretically that's all you got to worry about in this scenario we're going to just focus on enters and wets if i produced at the beginning of the season nine weeks worth of those which is some number less than nine races (laughs) and i use my set of enters or wets in the first race then i still have nine weeks before the 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 i still have nine weeks until I have to have a replacement set made. Yeah. So if you just think of it from that standpoint, you don't have to make a set of enters or wets until you use a set. So if I make nine sets, go for nine weeks or... Yeah, and that should cover you. You know, I, I you know, constantly can look nine weeks ahead and say, okay, well, if I haven't used it... it the first race well then that means the 10th race i'm good Mm -hmm. i haven't used it on the second race now i'm good to the 11th race i haven't used it on the third race i'm good to the 12th okay but the fourth i use them so now i've got to make a set yeah but i've got to the 13th race to get that set made and i've saved three races worth of easily of tires and if you keep doing that because you figure honestly if we're super honest we might get three wet races a year like on average yeah so of a 22 race season and i actually need three sets of these tires but i make nine because i need to make sure that i have nine weeks worth of tires well, it's it's still less wasteful than right what they're doing today. Exactly. So that's at that point, you've made literally half the amount of tires for wets and inners alone. Yeah. That you've made for any other year. There, I've just reduced your tire count. And on that, we'll call it a show. We are so glad you came. Bye bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye-bye. Remember, please discard all candy wrappers and popcorn containers in the nearest trash receptacle. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. (laughs) Okay. Are they all gone?
is, is there is everybody gone? <laughs> huh? Good. Oh my gosh, my cheeks are killing me. I can't keep smiling like this anymore. I am exhausted. I think I need a break. <laughs> a little break? Okay. <laughs>